What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two Highlights for you today. We have our early IPF Worlds preview show, and the reason why we're doing it early is because we have our draft for IPF Worlds coming up this Wednesday. We are going to try our hardest to get that on Twitch to make that live and interactive. We have all the equipment. Steve is getting it set up. I think it's going to be a really good time. And we are going to probably archive that episode and post it Friday. And, of course, we still need our classic preview show that we are known for on Two White Lights. Uh, and it's not quite like the preview show we did for our Nationals. We covered it all in one session, so it's going to be uh, a longer episode. And we didn't break it up into multiple episodes because, well, we explained it on the thing with as far as, like, lifters go, some matchups not quite being there, the battles not quite being there. But we still go into depth on pretty much every single weight class, men and women. We put timestamps on the episode so you can scroll through. You can find the weight class you want us to talk, want to hear us talk about the most. And IPF Worlds seems to be a go through all the turbulence. We are here, and we actually have a preview show. But before we get into this preview show, I want to talk to you guys about Left Floor Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leftfloorbros.com and definitely follow on Instagram at Left Bros Apparel to check out the best powerlifting merchandise in the sport right now. The reason why it's the best is because they continuously come up with new, fresh, and dope designs. They are going to make you look good in the gym, outside of the gym, and on the platform as well. They are triple threat. Also, they are releasing more and more product. I know they're coming out with some joggers, tank tops, dad hats. They, they have a lot of really nice dad hats. I'm wearing one right now. And I love my dad hats, and you guys know I love everything that Left Floor Bros has to offer. So go to leftfloorbros.com, use promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money on Left Floor Bros Apparel, 2WL15 at checkout. Remember that, and also get yourself some Two White Lights merchandise also available on leftfloorbros.com. So that site, if it could get any better, it has because they have exclusively sold Two White Lights merchandise. We have a lot of designs ourselves. We have some uh, original design by NIT, the off the rope top rope tee as well. Uh, we got the dad hat. We got some banners too. So if you guys want to go on leftfloorbros.com and get yourself some Two White Lights merchandise, you can use that same promo code 22WL15. Remember that promo code 2WL15. Also, make sure you're going to lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. I wear stoic gear in the gym on the platform because it's the best, it's the most quality, and also it's the most affordable as well. So use promo code ANGELO10 to get yourself some IPF approved stoic gear. You will not regret the knee sleeves, the seamless wrist wraps, quality, quality merchandise released from stoic gear. Remember that is sold on lift.net. Use promo code ANGELO10. Also, make sure you are going to NotoriousLift.com, follow me on Instagram, and check out some deadlift slippers. No slip grip is a real thing. They are great for performance, but also they make you look good as well. And also, we have a promo code now that will save you some money on all these slippers that are being released. Use promo code ANG15, that's ANG15, to save yourself some money. You are going to find a colorway that matches your gym attire, your platform attire perfectly, and you don't want to miss out on it, so make sure you are on the lookout for those drops. Sign up for the newsletter, because those sell out quick. If there's a color that you like, there's a very, 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 very good chance someone else is going to like it. And like I said before, they sell out very fast, especially with those sizes. So use promo code AND15 at checkout, but also sign up for the newsletter so you get the drop as quick as possible. 
Also, we are available on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you are subscribing there. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Follow us on Spotify as well. We have 2 where you can listen to all the episodes. And without further ado, here it is, 2 White Lights. And as promised, I got with me Steve Denobi. And throughout all the turbulence, throughout all the uncertainty, throughout all the petty posts and petty moves, we actually have a preview show worth doing about IPF Worlds because the U.S. Virgin Islands came in and saved the day. Virginity rocks. Some USAPL competitors are going to be at Worlds. Yeah. I mean, it was, we're still, I mean, I'm still, I want to see this travel situation. That's still iffy. It looks, it does look like, maybe you're going to say this, it does look like they are allowing people from the U.S. for international competition access to coming into Sweden. That is what I've seen. But literally, it seems like it's changing weekly. It looks good. It looks good. But we shall still see. I'm really hoping that there is no more, no more, uh, updates should we, we just be, have a clear run in the world yeah should we be on the opposite of this because it feels like whatever we said like some weird quasi version of what we said happened but then it like kind of did like it kind of didn't happen because we released the thing that we're very pessimistic that the u.s or you said you were pessimistic that the u.s will be at ipf worlds and that looked very very promising I am for correct. a little bit the u.s will not be at ipf worlds <laughs> and then we said on another episode like i don't think i just don't be surprised if it doesn't happen then you get the suspension and now we found you know through the whole thing um you know the usapl usapl lifters uh going towards the uh u.s virgin islands to compete and uh now we hear this travel thing so i don't know like what stance we could have in order to like sway the what's going to happen in the future. Um, from my understanding with the whole travel situation, cause that is like very glaring. Um, I think you can just fly into Denmark and then take a train up to Sweden. Denmark banned us too, unless you're vaccinated. Okay. So unless those lifters are vaccinated, uh, Denmark, you can still fly into Denmark and take the train up to Sweden, which I believe the lifters there are vaccinated. I don't know. That's not a confirm, but I, you know some of the lifters and they are vaccinated so um not all of them uh, i haven't got confirmation on all of that so all right so all right, let's, let's not even talk about that i guess because that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna lead into maybe a either uh hilarious graphic in hindsight or a not so hilarious hand, uh, graphic in hindsight for those lifters but yeah, we have a handful of lifters from the usapl not every single weight class is represented seemingly it just seems like most of the flex Guys and girls uh, got in on that, um, but then you had a, you know a few other in the female side, which I think is going to be the lead here um, with uh, with IPF Worlds. I we said in a previous episode, I think regardless if the USAPL actually sent all of their nominations, I think the females within IPF Worlds, the battles on the females division, that is the lead 
for IPF Worlds because I still think with, you know, even the men showing up, there was going to be a lot of just disparity between the winners and losers and not a whole lot of battles to really look out for. Uh, the women's side... Yeah, there's, there's battles in a lot of weight classes. Some of them lost a little bit of piss, the 63-kilo women uh, specifically. But uh, I, I still think with the people that are set through, the the females are going to be very, very fun to watch. Yeah, the, the women, I mean, actually, the fact of the matter is, even with these USDI lifters, only two of those additions really are creating battles. We have a lot, especially on the men's side, we're going to talk about it. We have people like Russ... It, 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 Russ isn't really going to be a battle. It's, it's mainly the addition of the USBI creates a really nice battle at 52 kilos um, with Andrea Riley coming in and then at 69 with Chandler Babb. And then obviously there's some other women's weight classes too that are super close. And one thing to know, I mean, this is just for listeners. If you don't really, if you haven't followed IPF Worlds before, if you don't know a lot about IPF Worlds, a couple things here is one, you might look at the nominations and think, oh, this person totals this. That might not be true. And we'll kind of talk about that. Um, some countries put in legitimate nominations. Some countries put in very fake nominations. And you have a very tough time being able to find where those came from, if they came from an actual sanctioned meet, if they're just random numbers to give fake stuff. Um, and then the second thing is, is outside of like the U.S. and France, it's not the norm for most countries to go after Instagram, Instagram clout. Like, yeah. It seems like mainly the U.S. and France are like the two countries that post a lot. Uh, outside of that, sometimes it's pretty tough. So these preview show, this, this preview show will be a tiny bit different than we normally do. One, because we're going to cover a lot. Two, because there's some classes just they're just no battle. It's just just kind of kind of talk about the expectation for who's going to win um, and what they can put up. Um, but even within that, it's it's definitely tough sometimes to kind of see some of these how these battles are going to unfold because we're going to have no idea what the guys from Kazakhstan are going to do. Outside of the fact that it definitely is a storyline. And we've talked about it. How many people from these known doping countries are all of a sudden showing up to IPF Worlds this year? Yeah. yeah the exactly. Irans, the Bulgarias, the Kazakhstans, these countries who don't do tests, who are known doping countries, whether it's in the IPF or just worlds in general. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, they're bringing massive teams to compete. And those could be – I found some of them to get ideas of where they're at, but those could be big, like – uh, dark horse competitors to Wait. where they show up and they do something insane that we had no idea because like they don't compete until now. Wait, wait, Steve, Steve, aren't they water compliant though? Oh yeah. They're water compliant. Wait, wait, we're water compliant. So they're good. They're fine. They're water compliant. They're, they shouldn't have any problems. I mean, that's, that's the, the most important thing is water compliant. I mean, the USAPL, I guess, is in the same, is in the same ballpark as those nations aside from the lifters though. So, the USAPL is in the same ballpark as those federations, but the lifters in the USAPL aren't. They are WADA compliant somehow. I don't know how that works, but someone can explain it to me and, you know, twist it any way that they want. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that, I mean, with all the I, – I, I just – I. We obviously haven't done a big show since all this – we kind of – I mean, we've covered a lot of this, but we haven't done a show since – Partially on my end, because I don't even know if I can, I can't even take the people on Instagram right now. All no. of you, 99% of the people who are posting, just FYI for everyone, if you don't know, 99% of the people who are posting, especially from other countries, have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. You posted it. Like, people, most people outside of the U.S. still think we don't do any water tests. 
Yeah, that was that was a thing. I got into an argument with an Italian lifter who I actually know. I've talked to before. He was like, "You guys don't do any water tests." I'm like, "Yes, we do. We do it at nationals. We we do it at nationals." I understand the arguments on the side that they do it in the house with out of meat testing, but it's still WADA. I understand maybe the issues there, and I could I could really respect that argument. But the the thing of just they're not they don't do any WADA testing is bullshit. There's been bullshit from both sides on this. The USAPL saying they got banned or they got suspended for testing too much. I understand what they were trying to do with what they said, but that's bullshit. And then a lot of like what you see on the other side is bullshit also towards USA lifters because all of a sudden it's okay because all you have to do is change USAPL to USVI and you're okay in the eyes of international competitors. It's fucking stupid. It makes no sense. We're way beyond, like, this is for the lifters now. It's a complete power play on both federations. Um, and I under I actually respect, like, the IPF for sticking by their values, and I respect the USAPL for sticking by their values, too. I personally think that the USAPL has a little bit better vision for the future, but we can talk about that perhaps on another episode. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, we, we, I, I didn't get, like, the rant that I wanted to give on other episodes because they keep on breaking shit when we couldn't record and we couldn't like drop anything, uh, you know, when it was announced. But yeah, that was just kind of my whole view on it is people are going to protect their interests. People are going to sway the story which way they want. And you know, the truth is probably right in the middle there. You're going to get extremes on both sides and the truth is probably in the middle. Yeah. And we will see how it all plays out, but the good thing is, in some manner, we have a world championship coming up. Whether this is the last one, I mean, we'll see. Maybe this is the last one that's going to be like it. I don't mm-hmm. think so. I definitely think there's, based off some things we've heard, there's definitely some lifters who are valuing this international competition. But I won, and we'll see. There, there's a lot to play out to say any which way of how things are going to go because we're going to have to see how the pro series goes. We're going to have to see, is the USA pulling out as an affiliate or are they going to stick in for a year and then somehow – work things out i mean i don't know we don't we don't know how it's gonna play out so we shall see but at least this year we do have a world championship um and today we're gonna break that down and talk about who we think is going to be winning yeah yeah and i guess it won't be quite like we did for raw nationals because like we said initially uh ipf world is a little bit different where nationals has uh in my opinion actually it's not it's pretty much factual a little bit better of a field one through five as opposed to IPF Worlds, where a lot of the times when you look at IPF Worlds, it's battles of like one and two or one, two, and three. Um, so I don't think we'll go like complete top three. We'll give just winners on certain weight classes because there's clear one one runaway favorites with you know uh, uh, some really good lifters just in the middle there. Uh, but I, I think some of the some of the some of what you guys are used to with our preview shows won't be quite like this one. Um, and really, we're going to start with the men's, too, because I think we can blow right through the men's competitions because there's a lot of runaway favorites and a lack of, you know, just big storylines or compelling matchups. And then the women we'll finish off with because I think we're going to dive a little bit deeper on a lot of the weight classes and uh, get into a little bit better of a conversation there. And I think, again, they are the lead as far as just what to look out for. But we will start with the men. And the 59-kilo weight class, 
I, I think that's one of those matchups where I think you're going to get a runaway winner on that one. I don't even say think. I think we can just hand the gold medal to, I, I don't even know how many times reigning champion Sergei Fedosyenko. Um, he was multiple time best lifter overall, um, partially because of changes in coefficient score as well as he's kind of regressed. He's getting older and I don't think he's really PR his total in a while. We've got some better lifters coming up, but like the, this 59 kilo class has been Sergey's forever. The only thing that made it somewhat interesting is his nominated total is 620 and second place is 580. So he's still got a 40 kilo lead at 59 kilos. So that's still run away. The fact of the matter is, is that 620 kilo I don't know if he was hurt or sandbagging at the Russian championships, but he actually just recently PR'd his equip total. But then at the Russian championships raw, he totaled like 50 kilos less than his best raw total. So it, his best raw total is around 670 kilos, I believe. His nominated total is 620. I guess he comes in around at like 640, 650, pretty easy, um, which is going to give him about a 70 kilo win. Like it, we have some other competitors there, but this is one of those classes. Like, um, th- there's just no one that is even going to challenge Sergey, barring he bombs out. Um, it's just kind of the Sergey Fedosyenko show, what like it is every single year at 59 kilos, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, Shahid Bryant, uh, that was the U.S. representative from there, and I, I, I still think with Shahid going there, it's it's been his weight class for such a long time, and I think. Uh, Potentially in the future, definitely like that's that's a lifter who can push him. But I think with if if it was normal IPF worlds where you have Shahid from the USAPL and Sergey, uh, that's the that's the battle you're looking at there, and that's the you know potential of like what can Shahid do to push him. But I with without that, I mean, it's a clear one ray favorite there for that weight class. Yeah, and even if Shahid showed up this year, it probably wouldn't be there yet. I don't know enough about Shahid to know kind of where his body weight's at. The issue with 59 kilos is just it's a really hard weight class to stay in. Yeah. Um, every single promising lifter we've had from the U.S. has eventually had to move up. And obviously, if you look at Sergey, um, he's very short, and that's why this is the perfect class for him. Like, he, he, is, he is he's very short, and so therefore he's never going to grow out of this weight class. And so you usually, to be competitive at 59 kilos, you used to have you, you kind of have to have very odd – um, anthropometry and, bio, and like body leverages to be able to actually stay there and be super competitive, which Sergey does. We kind of talked about, uh, I, I forget the guy now. Uh, he was 59 kilo guy. We talked about that had the, the greatest squat of all time yeah. on another episode um, who, who weighed 59 kilos and squatted like 600 something. Um, it usually takes some certain body morphology to be able to kind of sit within this weight class. Um, so, but yeah, Sergey's going to run away with it as long as he competes. He's likely going to run away with it until we see someone who's built for this class come up um, and challenge him. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so that is 59 kilo men, uh, 66 kilo men now. So this, I still think within this, I think 66 kilo men and 74 kilo men is going to have the closest matchups. Um, but this match, this weight class would have been, I think, the runaway storyline for the men's side as far as just uh, compelling uh a compelling matchup goes because you would have Daniel Clements, Bonnie Utis, Tyanidis, and uh, Eddie Berglund. And that would have been a very, very good show. Uh, very seldom are 66 kilo lifters like the story. And I actually think that would have been the story in a lot of ways. Uh, you Again, the piss is taken out of the division because Daniel Clements is removed from it. But you still have a very close battle. You like Because I think right now, uh, based on just... Instagram, Pani Utis is 
such a, he's a very popular lifter, a very good lifter. You see more of him, uh, but Eddie Berglund is like he's an OG in a lot of ways. Like he, this is not his first rodeo, this IPF Worlds, and you know you have done really good research as far as like what he can hit and just a mock meet. He can really surprise a lot of people because I think just on first glance, a lot of people give Pana the the upper hand here because you remove Daniel Clemens from the equation. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, when I started researching this class, um, I thought Hanna and then Sergey Gladkick, uh, who, if you don't know who he is, um, he um, battled with Charles Akpoku for a while, multi-time uh, world champion. Well, speaking of Charles Akpoku, have you seen some of those squats lately? Uh-huh, you've uh-huh. Some, you've got some very interesting stuff happening. I, with Charles, take, with Charles, yeah, with Charles, though, I'm, I don't know if he'll say 66. That is just a complete guess on my part. He is looking a little beefy, like in a good way. He's so fucking jacked and awesome, but he's looking uh, looking a little bigger than Pana and Dan- Daniel. He's likely Charles is likely to qualify through the new qualifying standard at the Virginia Qualifier in October. He's likely to qualify for the Virginia Pro with a head-to-head matchup with Daniel Clements. That could be super fun, but yeah, we could get into the whole storyline there. We'll eventually do it. Right now, we got Pana Sergey. Ahmed Eldwardi, which I'll explain, I'll actually explain that one first, and then Eddie Bergen. Ahmed has a QT nominated total of 680. Um, this is one of those ones that may be fake. I can't find any proof that he's ever hit a 580 kilo total. His last meet was like 1256, and he's saying he's hit 1518. Now, I found some people that are doing like mock meets and calling them nominated totals. I don't know if that's the case, but. I don't want to say I'm counting him out, but we have no proof he could actually hit the nominated total he's saying he can hit. What's very interesting, though, is you have Panna and Sergey at 696 and 687. Um, uh, Panna's actually hit more than that. He hit 708, but he hit that without cutting at 149. So let's just call like he could probably hit around 700 kilos. The interesting thing, as I was researching, Eddie Berglund has not competed since uh, 2019. Last year, in November, he did a mock meet and hit a 1,600-pound total. I think it was just above 1,600. So about a 725-kilo total. If he can do that, even just a little less than that, maybe like five kilos less on each lift, he could probably walk away with this. He'd be the heavy favorite. There's a caveat, though. Here's why I'm not just jumping on the Eddie Berglund train. Because if it was for that, I would immediately say, okay, Eddie's probably going to walk away with this and be the dark horse that no one realizes is just going to take it. The issue is, since then, he seemingly refocused to Olympic weightlifting. And mm-hmm. if you look at all his Instagram posts, it's been all Olympic weightlifting. He's competed in a weightlifting. I don't know how much powerlifting training he's done. He's obviously entered into this meet. He must be training for it. I would think... Even if he's been doing a weightlifting, obviously, since he's still been training serious, he's probably not going to lose a ton unless he really stopped benching as much. I don't think he's going to hit 1,600, but I could see him coming in and hitting 1,574-ish. And if he does that, that's going to be really, really hard to catch. But I'll throw one more caveat before I hand it to you. Here's the one big issue with Eddie at Worlds in Sweden, because in Sweden's a big deal. They're going to be using illegal platforms. The last time he was on that platform in 2019, he almost bombed out mm-hmm. because those platforms are just like the rogues. They're slick. 
He has a crazy super high arch bench with a leg drive. He almost bombed out on bench because he could not get any leg drive and kept slipping. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is uh, – he, I actually think, you know, it's him and Noriega as the poster boys of, like, the super big arch bench, and they're often used as the example of it. Uh, and when you have that, everything has to go absolutely right. And he had a lot of issues at IPF Worlds. And I think he, I think those issues continue just because I don't know how you could really fix it if the platform is slick. Like, it's just going to be a struggle, but if he goes three for three on it, then, like, it, it's, like, I think the odds of him bombing are higher than him going three for three on his bench, but I still... There's still a relative possibility that he goes three for three and potentially you know lowers the weight a little bit, uh, plays a little bit more conservative. Like the the meet day environment and just the the structure of it is very important. Uh, and I think he'll be looking out for that. He's a seasoned veteran, but that isn't always an interesting thing. If you go one for three on bench or bomb out, I mean the chances of bombing out are high. Then obviously fucking competition over. Yeah, I, you kind of said it there. Um, if he goes three for three on bench, I'm going to put a check mark on he wins. Yeah. Because um, the other caveat here, if people don't know, he hit a 500-pound bench. Yep. 500 pounds at 66 kilos. Now, that was in a mock meet, but he was basically at weight. He said he didn't cut. He weighed 67 kilos, basically at weight. Like, it, that, it's, that's not going to affect too much. It's just all depending on the carpet. Um, so, I've got him... I'm pulling him back from that mock meet because I'm just assuming it just looks like he hasn't been training. But even with that, if he goes like 1563, that probably puts him as the favorite, but that all depends on the bench because I've got him at like a 490 bench. If he all of a sudden goes a 440 bench or he almost bombs out, it's definitely, I mean, Panna is pretty good for hitting lifts. He's the grind king. We also know he's probably going to have the last deadlift um, and he's going to be able to grind it out. So that looks very good for him. The other kicker, though, is no one here has more international experience going for gold medals, though, than Sergey Gladkick. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look like he's at his all-time best. I did note, so he hit 15-14 at Russian Nationals, and it looks like every single time he goes to IPF Worlds, he hits about 10 to 15 kilos less than he does at, at Russian Nationals. So I'd probably say he's good for around 1,500. That probably isn't going to be good enough to win, though, if either Eddie or Panna uh, does what they should do. And so really, for me, it comes down to does Eddie hit his benches? If he does, I think he wins. If he doesn't, I think Panna wins. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I would agree with you on that one. Uh, this is seriously, like, when I watch this, it's going to be super interesting because it'll be just so funny if uh, Ahmed just comes, like, like uh, he just, it's like, oh, shit, I guess. He wasn't making shit up. Like Libya had uh, legitimate numbers being put forth. I that that would because if you're a competitor in this weight class and you see that and can't find any proof, you're like, what the hell is going to happen? I have no idea what's going to happen with this other variable, and you know you have to play it based off that person too. But yeah, there's like it just comes down to execution. Um, the thing with Bonnie Utis is this: he is the grind king. He can grind through his lifts, but. At times, I feel like what he puts in the gym, that's all you're going to see on the platform. Or usually less. He doesn't hit on the platform what he hits in the gym. Exactly. So when I look at those, like, the, the uh, like 
it's it's a little as a competitor myself when I see that from other lifters, it gives me a little bit more of a competitive edge. Not exactly Russ because I know that his actual numbers on the platform still beat mine, uh, even though he takes a dip from training. But if it's someone close to me, like if they take a dip, I know I peak well into a meet and actually hit more than what I hit in the gym. So that can be a competitive advantage for the other competitors because like I, I, I always feel like I know what I'm going to see from him. Um, where other lifters, you they peak well and then they go surpassing what they hit in the gym. So that's one thing to look out for. But um, I'm actually going to put Pony Atis as my winner on that one just because I trust him right now. I I can't be like, yeah, this guy's gonna, the guy who I haven't seen lift in a long time and only doing Olympic lifting is going to win. I think that's just like I can't bring myself to take him over a real, real accomplished lifter in Pani Utis. And actually, I'm going to put him third. I'm going to put Sergey second. Okay. I'm just, I mean, for the fun of it, because I think it can happen, I'm going to go Eddie. Okay. We'll have a little fun here. I could, I could see it going either way. I honestly, and if Eddie had posted any powerlifting training, I would 100% say Eddie right now, but he <laughs> hasn't. So therefore, that's where my question mark is. I've got some question marks with Panna as well, just because, I mean, he, he's hit. The, the numbers I chose for him is what he's done best in the meet, which is 562, 371, 611. That's all of his meat bests, I think, at 66 kilo. If he puts all those together, I still have him less than Eddie if Eddie has a down day from his mock meet. Mm-hmm. If Panna misses anything, even if Eddie has struggles on bench, I think Eddie has the upper hand. So, yeah, I'm going to go Eddie. I think Eddie has the better track to win. Um, the only benefit Pana has is he doesn't rely on technique and there's probably not going to be as big of a, a variable of anything affecting him on that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm very excited to see this one. Actually talking about it more makes me more excited to hear this. So, uh, all right, well, that's going to do it for 66 kilo men. In my opinion, the story of, uh, IPF worlds for the men's side. Um, is that 66-kilo division. All right, now on the 74-kilo men. Now, I think we just have to – this is something just I have to get out here. The highest nominated total here was 725. I'm going to upset some people when I say that I am not going to be as interested in this weight class because all of the USAPL lifters are gone from the equation. And that is why IPF Worlds, to me, can sometimes be a huge letdown. Because 74 kilo men in the USAPL, from one through five, is better than number one, really. Gage world champion. What's that? Gage for world champion. Exactly, right? Like, I, and that's, a, he, and the Gage is, you know, a top 10 guy. He's on the bottom end of top 10. When you look at the USAPL lifters from 74 kilos, it's compelling, it's interesting, and also, like, at the same time, it's not, because Taylor Atwood's too fucking good. He's a cheat code. And that's who we're missing from this meet. And even if he's here, we wouldn't be talking that much about it, because it's just going to be, can Taylor Atwood total, or out total rust or something at this meet? So you get that removed. So even if you take Taylor Atwood out of here, Austin Perkins would win this uh, division by a landslide. A healthy Michael C. would win this division by a landslide. Ricky Cho would win this division by a landslide. Eric Lapointe will win this division by a landslide. Like, like, they will, I don't know about a landslide, but I think he'll win. Like, I, I think Eric Lapointe will win. And 
there's there's a lot of guys in the USAPL are winning. This is the USAPL elitism right now. This is America. This is American bias. I'm wearing a camo hat so I can do that, and I have facial hair and long hair. So, and I'm wearing a, I'm your, I'm a Doc Holiday shirt. So yeah, this is why the piss gets taken out of IPF world. Just an example of this weight class. Yeah, and we do. It, it is going to be like you said. I mean, in the sense of numbers comparative to other lifters, it's not going to be super impressive. We do have three lifters though, maybe four. I'll explain that fourth in a second. Three lifters that could be a very, very close battle that comes down to that fourth pole. Yeah. Or the third pole, third pole. The fourth lifter we've got, I'll say him first, David Kakwa. Um, possible fake nomination. Numbers don't match. Can't find anything to actually confirm that those numbers are legitimate. So even if they were, um, I, I mean, I've got him in a – his actual meet numbers was like a 1498 total – yet he's getting nominated at, like, close to a 1,600 total. So, yeah, I just don't know. So I'm not really including him here. But the, the ones we've got is Paul – we're going to butcher a lot of these names. I'm, Paul Rimboville. Yeah, I want to say Remboville. 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 Yeah. Jakob Ionen and Alexander Erickson. Now, going into this, partly, partially because I think this has kind of been – Paul's been the one kind of talking to, to Taylor about Taylor doesn't show up. Paul's not discounting the fact that he's going to win. Yeah. My sleeper – I'm going to say off the bat who I'm picking. I'm picking Alexander Erickson. Everyone's sleeping on him. Why is that? Paul just, so let's go through each one. Paul just competed. I, I, I couldn't find the lifts, though. I don't know if he went all out because he just competed at uh, this French meet that a lot of lifters did where some of them went all out and treated it like a meet. A lot of them, we're going to talk about some of them in a little bit, kind of sandbagged like second attempts. I think, from what I gathered, Paul went all out. And he hit a, what was it, 725 kilo total? Yeah. Yakov Ionen competed in, uh, when was it? He competed recently, hit this, like, he hit a 730 kg total in April, but it was hard. Like, that was like that was it. That's all he had. Alexander Erickson hasn't competed since 2019. He's coming in with a 717.5 total, so only 7.5 kilos less than Paul. I've been looking at Alexander's lifts. He's hitting 10 kilos plus over on his deadlift or on his squat, and then his deadlift looks to be tracking another 5 to 10 kilos over what he did. I could see him going like 740. He's the only one here that look, that seems like it has a top end well past its nominated total. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Um, I just, yeah, it's a, like, that's a big thing that came, came into play for Raw Nationals. When I saw someone's meet who they, they really gave, you know, their effort, uh, 100% of their effort, and you could tell that the RP was at the 10, that it was at the 10 range for all of their lifts, and that was all they had on the tank that day. That plays a big factor into my predictions because when I see someone either you know holding off or you know I wouldn't say sandbagging me, but you know keep it where you have potential to grow within your lifts and potentially surpass that limit that you put on yourselves. I always trust that lifter a little bit more. So yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you. I would put uh, Alexander Erickson on the top as well. Paul's yeah, second for me. Yeah, I've got 
Alexander first, Paul second, Yakov third. Yeah, Alex just looks like out of all those lifters, because they're bunched up, they're within seven and a half kilos of each other on nomination. Alexander just looks like he has something well above that nominated total. Because that nominated total came from European championships in like 2019. And he's a younger dude. I just I think he's gonna have well over what he's nominated for as well. Well, Paul has a big deadlift too, so that's gonna be tough. Paul's probably actually gonna have the last pull. That's the only benefit he's gonna have, but I think subtotal wise, I think Alexander's going to be coming in with a nice little subtotal lead and it'll, it'll be able to snatch it up. Yeah. Yeah, we will see with that. Uh, again, just a division that's like, it's a, it's, it's a strange thing because in the U.S., like it, within the States, like the 74s usually has a lot of eyes on it because that's where a lot of the pool of competitors go. Um, and same thing with this division here. I mean, there's a lot of competitors there, don't get me wrong, but. Uh, I, uh, I just, I just don't see it. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be rooting for the Italian, uh, Antolini. I'm going to be definitely rooting for him. I, if there's a weight class where I'm not predicting, I'm just going to always root for the Italian to break into the top three. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll point this out. There, there's, it's hef, like 725 is the top nominated total. 680 is the nominated total for 10th place. We may be overlooking someone here, and they jump out of nowhere. Um, I don't know. Um, this is just a very close class, mainly because of the low top end. There could be one of these people like Angelini that just pops out of nowhere and wins it. Um, we'll see. Definitely could be wrong on that one. but Yeah, and I just like him, too. He's just a cool fucking guy. So I hopefully he you know just breaks into the top three. But, yeah, the, this is it, it, it could be a little bit, like, diluted when you get to the world stage with uh, certain weight classes. I think 74 is a good example. Um, and then I guess that brings us to the 83s. So you have Russ competing. He is going to walk away with this unless you have a bomb situation, and I don't think that's going to happen, uh, especially on a squat because the squat's looking fantastic. But I think the storyline with the 83s is can – he had the super meet where he totaled something insane like 850 plus or 855 plus and just just blows powerlifting out of the water and opens a lot of our eyes and you know potentially gets uh gets a little bit of bragging rights over Atwood for just a little bit because he has an opportunity to do that right because he doesn't have it's not like nationals where he has to play it smart, because if he misses lifts at Nationals, someone could definitely beat him. Uh, you could have Delaney, you could have Sean, you could have myself thrown in there as well. You could have Deuce potentially beat Russ if he has a bad day. No one will beat him if he has a bad day here. He can total 800 at this meet and probably still win. I still think 83s in this division can total 800, which is still a fucking incredible feat. That's funny that it's like getting kind of pushed aside now as like not being this great feat, because this was like the goal for so many 83 lifters for a long time, and now we're looking at, like, you have to be top 10 in the world. You have to be 800 and above to be top 10 in the world. But he can just push all of his lifts. He can just really push them and just go for broke and put together this total that's just absolutely absurd and walk away with best overall lifter um, and just, you know, kind of put that kind of put the cherry on top. Uh, from his Raw Nationals performance. Yeah. Um, the only person even remotely close, I'll just throw, I don't think this is going to happen. 
we talked about how there's a bunch of Iranian, Kazakhstani, and Bulgarian lifters, which are notorious. It doesn't, I'm not saying they're on drugs, but they're notorious countries for not testing and being on drugs and having lifters get popped at Worlds when they did show up. Um, second place nominated totals at 785, lifter from Kazakhstan, and that totals from 2019. So there could be something crazy and this dude shows up. I'm not saying he would beat Russ, but he might put yeah. some total up that makes well, Russ have to be careful. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I mean like most I, likely I don't know I don't know much about this lifter, but if he totals something like an eight, you know, an eight fifteen or something crazy, eight twenty, like that is that is an incredible number for an eighty three. So and also, like I said earlier, if Russ misses lifts, an eight twenty could potentially beat him if he has a really bad meet. And that's kind of what he has to be careful of at Raw Nationals. Um, and uh, again, there's another's an Italian lifter uh, thrown into third, thrown into third there. So I'm happy to see it, uh, a fellow Italian 83. So I, you know, just hoping that he gets he gets that third uh, third spot there. That would be kind of what I'm looking to, looking after Emilio. Um, so I. Yeah, I, I really think that the but the lead here is just Russ Orhe's potential performance. Yeah, and I'm, I'm picking Russ to win best overall lifter. Mm-hmm. Um, I like you said, I I put out the, the the scenario that that second place guy comes out of nowhere probably isn't going to happen. So this sets things up to where Russ can actually just kind of push and not really worry too much. We know he's definitely got more on his squat, and that's probably where it would come from. Um, I don't know if we'd see too much more on bench and deadlifts. Bench has pretty much kind of been where it's at. And we always know he's, he's he typically is going to hit about five kilos more in the gym that he hits in the meat, mainly because he's squatting heavy beforehand. And then deadlift, you've had discussions with him too. I mean, people see these big deadlifts in the gym. He, he's usually not going to hit those in the meat. And it's not a bad thing. It's just meat day. He's squatting super heavy beforehand. Those other variables. He usually isn't going to hit 750 on the platform. His top end more is going to be maybe around seven thirty three ish, and it's that's my guess is it's going to probably that's about where it's going to be because it seems like his his bench and deadlift training is going about the same as it went in the nationals. Looks like his squats going better, and so my only assumption is and and hope to see is he's just going to unleash that squat and go something like seven twenty eight, and if he can go like seven twenty eight four twenty four and then like seven thirty. Um, what would that be? 880, 1882 total, which is 855 kilos. Yeah. I think that's definitely doable. Um, so that's it. Here's the thing I'll say with Russ. We might either see this super meet or we see an absolutely terrible meet. If he's going in with the, the, the goal of like, let's just go for it and see what's there, knowing that even my worst day is still going to win easily. Yeah, that might happen. Yeah, for sure. Like that, that the the yields the possibility of it, and someone pushing you is a, is an important thing there too. But yeah, training with him, his squat looks fantastic, like effortless, deep squat depth is no longer a problem for him. He's going to get white lights at every competition he does because his squat depth is not an issue. Um, he's telling me that his deadlift is actually going well. That's why I think seven thirty is in the bag for him. For him, I think seven forty range uh, is going to be that that planned third attempt because. He's he's quite confident in his deadlift right now, and it's actually it's looking so it's looking just as good as his prep up for nationals, but I think a little bit better because there was points of nationals where I was like, ooh, that deadlift is looking it's consistent. I think he's actually getting that fingertip grip um, and that grip not grip issue, just the leverage issue that he was struggling with uh, figured out. So I actually think seven forty is uh, within that range today. Uh, there, I think he's going to go higher than seven thirty, um, and 
yeah, uh, that'll be that'll be it for 83s. Now on to 93 kilo men. Um, I'm just going to start out by saying if there was one lifter I wanted to see at Worlds, it was Jonathan Keiko. And I'm very happy to see him at Worlds uh, through the USVI. He is one of my favorite lifters. Him, him, and uh, him and Isaac. I was just super happy that they just got the, they just found a way to get into Worlds. Um, and I think he's a heavy favorite to win this weight class. There's some very good 93s. I think you're going to get a bulk of like some of the best lifters in the world within that 83 to 93 weight kilo weight class. But so it's not on the projections, and it makes sense. Gavin Aiden in there too as a 93 junior lifter. I know it's not like completely they're I, like, they're not competing at the same time, but Gavin Gavin is definitely going to be gunning for Keiko. And like I said, if you can get that repeat performance of Nationals or that repeat battle of Nationals, this is going to be very very fun to watch. Gavin could win for the sole reason that Gavin isn't probably going to have to worry about second place in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. He's going to literally be putting up a total just to beat Keiko, where Keiko is going to have to put up a total to win. Because mm-hmm. he does have a little competition. Not a lot. I think, he's, I think he's probably still about 20 to 25 kilos above anyone else. He's probably not going to have – and that, that's with the fact that, like, his to- nominated total is coming from Nationals when he had the whole water cut and travel issue. Yeah. So, and now, now he is flying over to Sweden, so we might be able to say the same thing. That's, he's going to probably not hit his top end because he's traveling over to Sweden. But even with that, 880 is probably going to walk away with it, in my opinion. And it's, it's almost more interesting to see who, who totals more, him or Gavin. And I would almost be willing to put my money on Gavin, not because I think Gavin's necessarily stronger than Keiko, but because Gavin's not going to have to defend anyone. Yeah, I, I, so. that, that's going to be, that's, it, 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 it's odd because it's like, because there are two different divisions and two different age things, and it's just hard to pick it. But yeah, that's happening. That, that battle is happening definitely in both of their minds because it was razor thin at Nationals. I thought where we, we kind of, we gave Borkert, uh, I think, the, the nod there of being really able to push Keiko into potentially losing. It was actually Gavin, and he was on that day. He was on that day, and, you know, a potential chip away from actually winning that uh, competition. So, I the 93s, I think, with the 66 that I'm looking just as a straight competition, the 93s, I'm looking at looking very closely at, uh, at what's going to happen there, and I'm very, very excited to see some of my favorite lifters just in the world. Uh, Gavin is a fantastic lifter to watch. Love the guy. And same thing with Keiko. Like, I really want to see him get his, uh, get his long, long coveted, long awaited IPF world championship. Yep. So looking at Keiko's competition, I see really main one, one main person. If you look at the nominations in second through fourth, we got two Bulgarian lifters and an Iranian lifter. All of the totals and nominations there look to be fake. Um, the second place guy has a nominated total of 847.5. I actually found that he posted on Instagram, but that looked like it was from a non-sanctioned meet where he did a weight cut back in like June. And so he's, and that was like 847.5. So he's probably not hitting what any well over that if he's doing an IPF meet and having the cut. So that's probably not in the picture of beating Keiko. That's, that's over 30 kilos less. The next guy, Teodoro Radev, um, he's nominated at 840. An open IPF, his best number is like 
1657. So what, like a 700 and something kilo total? Like, again, maybe a fake nomination. And then third place, Mehdi Tomasebi. He's nominated at 820, but in July he hit 780. So again, fake nomination. Um, the only person I see possibly challenging him, in my opinion, is Gustav Hedlund, which if anyone yeah. doesn't know who he is, that was kind of – back in 2019, we wanted to – I think we knew Keiko was kind of on the come up. We kind of – going into 2020 when Worlds didn't happen, it was kind of Keiko versus Anatoly versus Gustav. That was the, really the big matchup we were looking to see. Anatoly's moved up to 105. We'll talk about that in a second. But we still got Gustav. He hasn't competed since 2019. It's been a while. Um and last Worlds, he hit, what, uh, 1857 total. But since then, he's obviously put up a lot bigger numbers. He's, I saw him in April, squatted 672 at like a 9 RPE, deadlifted 727 at like a 9, benched 440 at like an 8.5. I, I expect him to be able to add probably 20-ish pounds to each lift, which it would push him close to like an 860, maybe an 870 kilo total, but mm-hmm. I see that as like the top end. I just I just didn't see anything to say that if Keiko can go 880 again, which I, I fully think he can, because I think that's like his low end, I didn't see anything from Gustav to say he could match that. I see I see Keiko as a very solid winner in this class. Gustav is a very solid second, and then all the fake nominated people battling for third. Yeah, I I I see that as well. Um yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited to see like how that uh, plays out. For a lot of these things, when I look at their history, like uh, Emil and uh, uh, Theodore, like it's a lot. Some of their competitions are like annulled. Is that another like a thing for IPF? I don't know. Ask, ask IPF and Wada. <laughs> it's so ridiculous that we have these conversations. Like there's episodes dedicated to how shady the USAPL's fucking drug testing is and then we have examples like this like god get fucking real jesus christ we have to we we have to talk about this stuff too we have to make a we have to make a preview show and we have to be like i don't know what the hell is happening with this lifter based on their numbers it makes no fucking sense like let's get some legitimacy and put the usapl in this goddamn thing um yeah (laughs) yeah but you have keiko in there only thing i'll say again i'm not changing from keiko Keiko's traveling from the U.S. Gustav's competing in his home country. Yes, that's a, that's a big thing. Uh, Goose and Gustav is a fantastic lifter too. Yeah, Gustav, I've been following it. He's been, I've been following him for a while. Fantastic, fantastic lifter. Love watching him compete too. And talking about in the in the grand scheme of things, he probably would have gotten third at USAPL Raw Nationals. Dude's yeah. strong. He is, yeah. he is very, very strong. Yeah, he's his his total holds up everywhere. Uh, fantastic lifter. I think just in again, just in the realm of, uh, or just in the realm of what Keiko was thinking after IP or uh, Raw Nationals, Gustav was probably the guy he was thinking about. And that same thing with Flex. Like that's the guy we're gonna have to make sure doesn't beat us because they're chasing uh, Keiko's total, not the other way around. But that was the guy they were probably circling. Like, this is the international competition we're looking out for. But also, Gavin Aiden as well. Um, I, I, he was obvi- he would he would have clearly been that um, alternate um, the alternate spot, right? Gavin. Gavin. If they yeah, Gavin picked- would have gotten the alternate spot. Yeah, because I think he just edged out Bryce Lewis. So, uh, yeah, he he would have he would have got it for sure. So, it's gonna be now that's gonna be a very fun one to watch. Uh, just as far as the grand scheme of just watching all the 93s compete. I think we both have Jonathan Keiko winning. I definitely do. Uh, but it's, it's, 
I, I think maybe a separate graphic is just for Gavin Aiden on there too. Alright, now we have the 105s. Uh, weight class with some great lifters. Uh, Anatoly is definitely the one to circle there. Uh, I think when Ashton Roska won his weight class, that was a battle we were all looking forward to. Anatoly for Sash. Yeah, and the the nominations here aren't truly telling. Anatoly's nominated at 9-11. That's the last meet he did at 231. He just competed and didn't cut, and he just weighed 233, and he went 933. Mm-hmm. So he's got about a 33-kilo lead here. Like, this is this is probably Anatoly's walking away from it. Um, Levan, Taco, something from Russia – or Russia or ROC or whatever that is, since Russia was banned, yet still gets to compete. Um, he just competed, put up a 900-kilo total. He's probably not going to challenge Anatoly. The only person that could come out of – not come out of nowhere, but hasn't competed since 2019, but has been on everyone's radar, is Emil Norland. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been on everyone's radar for a while. He was the junior along with uh, Rondell Hunt that everyone was looking to be like the future of this class internationally. Um Looking at some of his numbers, I've got some. Did a mock meet last November, and he hit 332.5, 205, and 372.5 for a 910 kilo total. And that was last November. Yeah. It's plausible he could go. I mean, if that's last November, he could go 920 to 930. That's plausible. I could see that. I, I don't see that out of the realm. Um, but if I'm looking at his training, Nothing he's doing in the gym necessarily makes me think he's gained a ton over last November. Like, nothing's been hugely over those numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I think he's definitely the person who can grow into the weight class the most. Like, he can, he like, that's a guy who's going to be constantly there. Um, uh, I mean, I think he can could consistently be in that weight class for a really long time and really being, you know, just within that perennial top three spot. Well, here's the crazy thing. Emil was 20. Well, he's probably 24 now. Well, actually, him and Anatoly are the same age then because Emil hasn't competed since 2019. He's about 23 or 24. Anatoly's 24. Ashton's 24. Rondell Hunt, I think, is 24. Exactly. Well, that's. I don't know if you saw the post from Ashton Ruska the uh, other or yesterday of thinking about competing at 120. Um, Well, I would like there's only one place all four of these lifters could compete. Exactly. So that's what I mean. Because Rondell can't compete in the IPF because his federation or whatever's going on there, they're screwed up, so he can't compete. Only one place we could get all four of those guys on the same platform because that that could be the best battle in all of powerlifting if we saw Anatoly, Rondell, uh, Ashton, and Emil all go head-to-head-to-head-to-head. To head to head to head. Exactly. So that's why I'm thinking, like, if he goes up to 120, of course it would be a good story for Nationals uh, and also pushing Dennis Cornelius up there, but – Sticking in the international uh, in, in the inter- international stages here, I think him staying at 105 would be just incredible for the weight class because that's uh, like the internationally that's where you're going to get a lot of the, the bulk of the competition is going to be in the international realm. So uh, yeah, well, uh, I wouldn't say bulk. We got a ton of really strong 105 kilo juniors coming up. Good point. Yeah, we've got. I mean, not to throw out, not to discredit the one twenties, but I don't see anyone in the one twenties really coming up that's super competitive unless some of these one hundred fives start to uh, have to gain or start gaining weight. One hundred fives looks to be the single most competitive class for the future. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah. Oh for sure. I mean, it's it's. I think it's always going to. Because I think last year I put 105s in my most competitive weight class, or at least the most compelling weight class, and that's because. But like, it didn't get that same shine at Raw Nationals because Mikey D wasn't competing. Right. So that's another guy, Mikey D. He's he's yeah. not gone. Mikey D's there. Uh, interesting to see what he does too. With like this, you might have to break off to the U.S. affiliate. You might have to stay with the U.S. or you want to do the Pro Series instead. Interesting what he does there because he's a guy who definitely thinks he could win 105s. Why wouldn't he? Like he's he's a competitor. He's game. He beat Ash once before, right? So it's you got some real fun things to watch uh, within that weight class. But uh, be that as it may, I think we both have uh, Anatoly winning, and then I think that'll leave us both with a meal, unless again, like we have this strange competition or performance that uh, that tells us otherwise, but. On to 120s, uh, a weight class where I think we were all really looking forward to Dennis and, uh, is it Senek? I don't, Sink, Kosak, I don't Sink, know. Sink, Sink. Yeah, that that would have been, if Dennis was here, that would have been a great battle, but otherwise, this is probably, this is probably the least anticlimactic class, because at least Russ is looking at setting world records. This class is going to have a runaway winner. And then no world records probably set. Except for a deadlift. He deadlifts 400 kilos. So mm-hmm. we could see an insane deadlift from him. But in the sense of like a world record total or world record performance, he's probably not beating anything Dennis has done. And he's going to win by like 60 kilos. Yeah. The only thing that he's still probably going to win, his nominated total came from a meet where he weighed 280, not 264. Mm. Okay. So, He's probably going to total a little bit less, which, again, if Dennis was competing, I would definitely argue for Dennis to win this, um, in large part because this guy, Sink, did not cut for his meet that he nominated at 962.5. But even with that, the next nominated total is at, like, 909.5. Um, so, I mean, he, he's probably going to win on second attempts pretty easy. Yeah. Barring one of these guys comes out of nowhere and we have no idea who they are. But uh, Peter Sadowski and then Musayev Konstantin, neither of them post, so I have no background on them other than their nominated totals. Yep, and that's going to be some of the issues we follow with uh, international listeners. But, yeah, I would put him as a favorite. We were talking, me and Joe uh, Sanek were talking about it at Nationals of Dennis can be pushed at Worlds uh, by, by Senk, but... You know, now it's obviously not happening, but that was that was a guy that again circle him. That is going to be your main competition at Raw Nationals if you are at IPF Worlds. If you are Dennis, but I, I guess uh, that'll that'll do it for that's one of the ones I guess we could just like kind of push right along because uh, we don't have much to say aside from you know him being a fantastic lifter. And now we got the super heavies with Jesus Oliveras, I think being the clear uh, runaway favorite, but with an interesting development with uh, Andre. Uh, Kovalov? Kovalov, yeah. I actually, well, we'll talk about it. I don't think he's as interesting as Eric Willis. I think Eric Willis is going to get second. But if anyone doesn't know who Andre Konovalov is, that's like Blaine Sumner's arch rival. If you've seen Blaine Sumner talking (laughs) trash on IG, he's talking trash to Andre. Andre is a very accomplished, equipped lifter. And him and Blaine have gone back and forth. Blaine has his number when Blaine's on, but Andre has won multiple times due to Blaine bomb outs or Blaine's injuries. Um, he never really has competed at the international level at Raw. 
from what I can see, he's done raw multiple times and he's never put up anything over a 2,100 pound total. And I tried to see if I could find anything of him lifting to show that maybe he was sandbagging, but I can't find anything. Yeah. And I was about to ask squats, if you see any of them. Yeah. All of his squats that he posts that aren't in suits are still with wraps. So again, like nothing that can tell us that like he's going to go 2,300 and do something insane. Um, Eric Willis just competed at that NAPF meet. Um, he put up a decent total. Um, one thing that didn't show from that nominated total though, is he went super conservative on squat. He missed his opener on depth, I believe, and pretty much ended up taking his second attempt for a third. So he probably had another 20 kilos on his squat. So I actually had him, if we're, if we're taking the fact of his potential nominated second, but even with that, there's still well over a hundred pounds off of Jesus. And that is with Jesus having a deadlift issue. If Jesus fixes that deadlift issue and can deadlift over 800 again, it's not really a competition. Yeah, I think now based on, because I think we said it in the, the Nationals uh, preview uh, about Jesus' deadlift, and I was pretty confident with it. Now seeing it just in action, uh, in person, at Nationals, there's something there. I think the bar is rolling on him just a little bit, and that biggie is big fucking hands. It's hard to it's hard to deadlift with really really big hands, and I think and even with his training right now, I don't know if that's been completely you know wiped out, erased. I still think it's there. So it's just something to look at in the future because I I think with I still think with the deadlift issue he wins this pretty easily, but with the future, I mean. You know it. Jesus wants to be the very best. He wants to break that old world record. He wants to break the world record total. He wants to beat Ray Williams in every single way imaginable. He wants to be the next. He wants to be the king of that way, the undisputed king of that weight class. He's gonna have to figure that out. Yeah, that, that grip is going to be that his because his deadlift really, really can't just put a just a stamp on it. And put the the final nail in the coffin for a lot of a lot of super heavyweights, including Ray Williams. Yeah, um, yeah. From what I've seen, it looks like it's still a little bit of an issue. And I'm going to argue. Well, I'm not going to get into it. I could do a, I could do a whole thing of what I believe is going on. I've seen. I don't your, think it's a. I, I don't I've think seen it's a your videos. We say. I've seen your videos. Yes, you can. You can go an hour with. Uh, yes. with well, I pretty much explained in an hour what happened there. I actually don't think it's a grip issue. I think it's a grip issue because of how it's getting stuck and it's pulling it out of his hands. I think his grip's fine. It's a matter of a positional issue, which seemed to partially happen through weight gain and kind of make it a little bit harder for him to get a, a proper hinge and position off the floor. So when he's getting the lockout, he's getting really stuck because he's already reached hip extension. So there's some things that could possibly That's be something- done. I don't think. I don't that think is, they found it clicking yet, but if he can get that fixed, he can deadlift 880. It's not a matter of strength. It's just a matter of position. Yeah, he has addressed that, though. He has addressed that uh, the, the uh, I think, flex has, too, just as far as, like, just not coming in as heavy. And I think that's going to help a lot with his leverage, too. But I don't, like, his, his training, I just almost see some of the same issues that he's having. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm obviously hoping uh, that he pulls it out, especially... I mean, if uh, and there's been no trash talk between Jesus and Andre, but I've been just loving Blaine Sumter's trash talk continuously with Andre. So of course I'm rooting for Team Virginity on this one. Uh, team Leflar Bros. Team Leflar Bros. Too for sure, but uh, Team Team uh, U.S. Virgin Islands uh, on this yeah. one. And 
course, uh, I think I think Jesus could probably hit his opener deadlift and win this. So yeah. Jesus, oh. easy win for me. And also, it's going to be better. It's going to be good for him too because that was a big letdown. I know super uh, super heavyweights just at nationals was just a big letdown because when you're training to go against the best of all time and he doesn't show because of COVID, like it fucking sucks. Like this one, he will have game competitors competing with him. So. All right, so yeah. we – I guess we're completely wrong on that because we just talked about an hour about the men's. So I guess we just talk a lot uh, now now because I thought we'll be over with that really quick. But now to the females. Uh, we're going to start with 47 kilo lifters. Uh, again, like I, I would say – I don't know about a cl- – I would call it a close battle for sure. Heather Connor is not uh, is not competing at this meet, but you still have a pretty interesting forty seven kilo uh, battle. Maybe Tiffany. I might say it wrong. She's from France. Tough Tiff Tiffany Chapone. She competed at that same French meet that everyone competed at. Hit that nominated total of three seventy, but since then has gone on a rampage. And she's a teenager. Yeah. she's still in this newbie game train. She hit a 392.5 kilo training total a couple weeks ago, and that was with a 142.5 squat. She just hit a 150 squat. She might walk away with this pretty easy. If she can put anywhere near what she's doing in the gym on the platform, this is probably hers to run away with. Veronica Broner comes in second nominated, but I honestly can't. Where is she from? Again, she's from Kazakhstan. I can't find where that total came from. Uh She's saying she hit 814. I only see 776, so I'm not sure if she has a meet that wasn't sanctioned that she's getting that nominated total from or if it's a fake one. The person that actually to watch out for is Lai Simone, who's from France as well, I believe. Uh, oh, no, Canada, Canada, or Simone Lai. Uh, she just competed uh, at the NAPF meet um, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and took, like, her nominated total there of, what is it, uh, 366. That was with a bunch of sandbag lifts. Yeah. Um, those were like all second attempts, like super easy. She very well, I expect her to be able to go decently more. She's probably the main competition. But with that said, if Tiffany does anything she's doing in the gym on the platform, I think she runs away with this. And she probably is looking to be in a battle with Heather Connor next year. Like to finally challenge Heather, I could see her very much by the next year being right there. Yeah, and that's I think what we were looking for, right? Is Heather Connor to be challenged because uh, this is a forty-seven kilo weight class, and she said it on the show before. Like Worlds is kind of her time to really be push and compete with other people because Nationals, the competition just isn't there for her. So it's almost the opposite for a lot of lifters, where Nationals is where they get challenged, and Worlds might be the you know the the layoff like Taylor Atwood. Um, Heather gets pushed by international lifters. So I think these competitors, uh, Tiffany and Lai, are are going to be the future of the 47-kilo weight class. Now, something you always got to consider, because this is the reason why just not a lot of women are 47 kilos. Just it's, it's a hard weight class to maintain when you're lifting weights. So it's yep. one of those – it's almost like the, the lighter weight class for males where you don't know how long they're going to be in a weight class because you gain weight naturally. Uh, you eventually weigh out of the weight class and then you have to go up. So that kind of like always puts a – kind of dampens down the competition just a bit. 
so that's, I, I guess, with some of the future that you see from it. As of right now, I, I mean, it is very likely. I mean, t- Tiffany's only 19, but she doesn't look like she's cutting. She's just weighing like 97. She's weighing about two kilos under the weight class, so I don't think she has to cut coming in yet. Obviously, as she grows, as she gets stronger, as she builds more muscle, maybe that pushes it, but that's another reason for picking her to win. I don't think she has to weight cut here. And so if she doesn't have to weight cut and she can do anywhere close to what she's doing within in the gym, um, she probably, yeah, I mean, she's, I, I, I'm picking her as a heavy favorite. Yeah, I, I will too, uh, with just the interest of Lai Simone in there as well. Just, uh, just to watch her compete and, you know, kind of, again, push that weight class a little bit more um, and potentially give uh, Heather a run for her money if that happens. Because, again, we're speaking in weird future terms and we have no idea what lifters are going to do in the future. All right, 52-kilo women. Now, this one I am very, very excited for because you have Andrea Riley getting that world spot. Uh, and she was one of the lifters who was able to get the U.S. Virgin Island bid. Very happy to see it, especially after her, you know, taking nationals, knocking off Marissa Inda, uh, and really this is her time to shine. But you have a fantastic, fantastic lifter, Naomi Alabert from France. Consistent as they come, very good, very seasoned, is in a lot of international competitions. And she's like, she's, Leah Beauvoir is the best French lifter, but like, she's She's there as always, like, number two. Like, it, it goes Leah Beauvoir than her. When I look well, at French and, lifters, a female's lifter, it's it's her up there. Well, and that nominated total at 427.5 was completely sandbagged. Yeah. yeah Those were all, like, second attempts and, like, super easy. They were sandbagged. The one thing I'll say, like, so they were sandbagged. I'm putting her about 10 to 15 pounds over on each lift, which puts her, like, 970-ish. Andrea Riley, she obviously had a great meet at nationals and won, but we say great meet in the sense that she won. I know she was not happy with her performance and she knew she could have done better. She, she was about 45 pounds under what we had projected, yeah. which I still think is very much in her wheelhouse. I'm not sure what happened at nationals. I mean, sometimes it's just nationals. If she can hit what we thought she could hit going into nationals, I see her, both her and Noemi, right at about 970 to 975. The only difference is we've literally seen 970 potentially from Noemi on the platform by her hitting those second attempts and hitting 932. So mm-hmm. it, it's a toss-up. It's, it's who you think is going to bring it at Worlds. And liter- and they're pretty close on list. I have them both projected like a 355 squat. Bench, Andrea has a little bit of an edge. Deadlift, Noemi has a little bit of an edge. Like, they're pretty even lifters. It's not yeah. like one of them has some lift that's, like, way above the other. They're pretty dang even. Yeah, I. this is – so th- this is – again, this is why we're saying females are the lead here. This is going to be very fun to watch. This is going to be a great, great matchup here between uh, Andrea and uh, – Na- hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right, but uh, Naomi. Because, like, it's going to be close – both lifters are a game. I'm I'm excited for it. I'm really excited to see this. Uh, and again, like this is this is one of the reasons why I was so happy that Andrea got that bid because one, I knew she had a potential to win worlds, and also she worked her ass off just to win nationals. Like that was the big thing for her. So I'm excited to see now. I I'm in a conundrum here because the, one, the tough thing. 
Andrea hasn't posted a single video since nationals. Now, is that because training isn't going well, or is that because she didn't want the distraction of Instagram and just wanted to just put her head down and focus on worlds? Yeah. Based off of her, like, desire to go to worlds, it seems like it's the latter, that she's just putting her head down in training, not something that's, not, not something's wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, like, that was one of the lifters that it was funny uh, going into the March Madness thing because we were just like, her numbers are looking as good as Marissa Inda. She doesn't post. So, I mean, it could just be a person who just doesn't post, like they, a person who's not exactly as Instagram-y as a lot of other lifters are. Um, so, I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know. Dick. I think just you can always make the safe assumption it's going to be close between the two. I'm in a conundrum here because – it's like my heart, brain, brain, heart. Like I want to obviously see Andrea win. My patriotism for the U.S. Virgin Islands are is is very high right now. Like I want to see all my home countrymen from the Virgin Islands win. But uh, I Naomi just is good, just a consistent lifter. Like. If, if I like, if I had to bet, like I think the smart money goes to Naomi, but I can't I'll betray my I can't I can't, I can't per- betray my Virgin Islanders. Are you going Naomi then? Oh, man, it's hard. How about you? I was gonna go whichever one you don't go with. Okay, well that's not fun. Well, who do you think is gonna win? Because <laughs> you're not you're not as patriot you're not as big a patriot to the Virgin Islands as I am. Okay. So, no, I am. No, you, dude, you're no, not even I close rock, as much as me. I, no, you did not rock virginity rock hashtag like me. I was literally a virgin <laughs> by choice until marriage. So I truly <laughs> hashtag virginity rocks. 27 years. Beat that. Uh, I should right, have been yeah. nominated for U.S. Virgin Islands. <laughs> uh, you engaged both. It would have been great. But uh, uh, yeah, There's everyone's... Uh, Insight into my personal life. Yeah, I'm pretty open about that anyways. But, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. Okay, I think I know where you're leaning. It doesn't really matter. I'm sticking with it. I'm going Andrea. I still, I, she had, her training going in the NAS was unreal. I saw so much potential there, and it just didn't show on the platform. I think she's going to bring it. You know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go Andrea, too. You know why? Because this doesn't matter. Our fantasy teams are going to matter more. So we don't need as much disagreement here between us. But did you read the rules? I added a rule. Um, we'll get to the fantasy that, I, next that, you, that I can't win? No, I, I said a 10-point <laughs> handicap due to IPF-imposed uh, bans for being a USAP elitist if your name is Angelo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you're going to see You're gonna see when we do that fantasy draft. It's going to be, you know, I, I am the, I'm going to be the Italian elitist. I'm just going to draft a straight Italian board if, uh, if it comes down to it. Italy is going to be the next France. I'm telling you that right now. You heard it your first on Two White Lights. Italian powerlifting is going to be like France is this year. They're eventually going to get to that point where they're going to be the they're the sexy. They're already sexy because they're Italian, but the sexy international uh, team. I, again, mark my words. Quote it. Quote it. All right. That was 52 kilo women. Very very excited to see that. Now to another weight class, which I think has replaced the 63s as the most interesting weight class on the women's side. There are 57-kilo women. You have Maria Hatti, Joanna Namani, and Bobby Butters competing, and this is going to be very, very fun to watch. 
Uh, I always love, I mean, Maria Hattie's last performance at IPF Worlds was probably the greatest thing ever. Like, missing her deadlift and then coming back on her third to nail it and win IPF Worlds was amazing. Uh, Canadian lifter, that was, I think, my favorite moment, aside from just Amanda Lawrence and uh, Daniela Mello from the entire 2019 IPF Worlds. Uh, then you have, you know, Joanna Amani, who I think is actually the favorite going in, and then Bobby Butters from the UK, who's the, I think the the a, a young lifter, very young lifter, correct? Uh, I thought she was. I thought she was in the junior realm, junior divisions. No, twenty five. Okay, I mean, still young. So, so one thing here. Last weekend just changed who I probably picked. Because Joy was not nominated first. Maria was. But Joy just competed at British Nationals. I, I haven't seen any videos yet. So I don't know if she emptied the tank. I think she did. But she just blew away the nominated totals. Um, one, Joy is moving up a weight class. She was the 52-kilo world champion mm-hmm. in uh, 2019. She's now moving up to 57. And the gains seem to be happening because she's already added over 100 pounds to her total. So Maria was nominated at 472.5. Joy was nominated at 463.5. Well, Joy just put up 492.5. Only thing, Maria's nominated total happened from IPF Worlds. Yeah. So she's had a long time. Maria, or Maria though, has been in the game longer, She's pro- and she's also not moving up a weight class. I'm not expecting her to be having his map for the games. I am citing I, – I mean, I've got numbers here. I've got projected – Maria at 1067. I think Joy can pretty much match what she did at 1084. And then I got Bobby at 1057. Even if they were closer and I had them all stacked up on each other, there's one big trump card here. Joy pulls almost 60 pounds more than either of them. That is a massive trump card come time for third deadness. Yeah, I think I will. I mean, again, like, uh, I, I guess, uh, I guess if you. Because I'm not, I don't follow internationals as much as a USAPL. But finding out Joy Nimani, who's moving up a weight class, already kind of put me in. Like I think he's the favorite going into it. Uh, but if you ask me, if she's not in the weight class, I think Maria Hati was my favorite going in. Um, I would agree with you. Joy Nimani moving up a weight class is gonna be huge. I think she wins this. Uh, Bobby Butters, I'm curious about. Uh, that was a lifter who like. Who was nominated for Sheffield would have competed there, and it would have been very interesting to see her as well. And we just we that that was the shitty part about COVID. We just we so many of these lifters like Maria and Bobby built up so much momentum, and then COVID kind of struck it. Depending on what country you're in, where we don't get to see any like real competition from them. Uh, we saw yeah. something from like Bobby in uh, 2020, but still, it's like it was just. It, it, the momentum they were building from all their competitions was just stagnated. One other thing I'll say with Joy, another kind of thing that's going to push it over the edge, um, I didn't realize until looking now, that 363 squat she just did at Nationals, that was her opener. Um, it, I, I don't know what happened. She went to 385, so obviously she felt like she had the strength for 385. I'm going to guess she missed depth twice. Mm. So if she fixes depth, she obviously has even more on squat. If she hits 385, not even, I mean, she was probably going for like 402 on her third. If she hits 385, she's now at uh, 502.5 nominated total. 
which if that was the case, we would be calling this maybe not a super close competition. Yeah. Yeah, so I would, I would agree. It's, it's still good. I mean, we've got three women who could all be putting up world record totals because I think Maria holds that world record total right now. Um, and I can think all three of them are probably going to have a chance at beating that. Probably strongly have a chance at beating that. But I, I think Joy, after that performance, is the heavy favorite. If, if we didn't have that, we probably I'd probably be picking Maria to win. But yeah, after exactly. seeing Joy do that, that kind of was like a mic drop. Yep, so I'm assuming you have you have Joy winning. I think I, I will follow suit in that. I think it's the same thing. Just as, as the, uh, I guess, the projected totals go, I would have Joy, Maria, and Bobby uh, rounding it out there. Yep, I agree on that. All right, so again, that's going to be very fun to watch. Um, and the weight class we're going to move on to, which I think the 57-kilo division turned into this one, or the weight class, are the 63s. Uh, you have Leah Beauvoir, who... I, I think we should just talk about, like, Liam Bavois, Jessica Bittner, Amanda Lawrence, just as the big three of being the best overall lifters, because I think it's going to be the battle between those three. Uh, but this this would this was going to be the matchup that I think a lot of people are going to be looking towards, because it's um, it's similar like the 83-kilo men or 93-kilo men, in that sense, where there's just three competitors who are lights out good, and we only really get to see one of them, which is a shame, because uh, Kalora, I think, had an injury. I know she dropped out. Uh, and then Sam Calhoun, is it's it's the USAPL-IPF situation here. Uh, so you have Leah Bavois, and, I mean, it's still something to watch, because Leah Bavois can be, like, she can put something together that possibly beats Amanda Lawrence on good lift points. Like, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that she does that with her performance. Yeah, I mean, I was if I had to pick right now, I was going back and forth. I think I'm picking Leah. Um, I think she's got the inside track right now based on how her lifts are. Now, Amanda obviously had a little bit of a down meet at Nationals. She had the hip injury. Her squat's definitely looking better. But the factor, if I'm saying, if we go back to Amanda's past performance and we have Leah, they're only, I think, one good lift point away from each other. Yeah. Three. I'm sorry. Two, two, two-ish. Um, Amanda has to travel. And I know both of them have to weight cut a decent amount. Um, I think that's probably going to be a bit easier on Leah. Um, Leah also, I think since the, the, one of the things too, is she had that meet that she's nominated for, but since then she's done a couple meets with some bigger lifts. She just hasn't uh, cut for them. So yeah. that's another fact there. She can pretty much just put up the numbers, but she's deadlifting more. She's benching more. Um, she's squatting more. If she can just put up those numbers with that, that two kilo cut, um, I think she, in my opinion, has a great chance of taking over best overall lifter over Amanda. Yeah, I do too. I really think that, uh, I, I, I also think that just based on just what we see from Amanda, like we see her hitting a number consistently in the gym, but it's consistently in the gym and we don't even see her like kind of surpassing that consistently just in the gym. Like now when you get on the platform, I think I could always count on her hitting her numbers in the gym than on the platform uh, or most of the time at least, but we just haven't seen that progression that Leah is having. So I, I would, I would actually think that Leah will, uh, you know, almost pull away here with that, but it's good. That's, I think that's what they're both competing for because within their respective weight class, they're head and shoulders above the rest. Um, and especially because Leah doesn't have, 
you know, Kaloragara or Sam Calhoun, you know, creeping up on her where she could actually be a little bit easier and just focus primarily on best overall lifter. And that would be a big saving because it doesn't matter who's showing up to Raw or who's showing up to IPF Worlds. Best overall lifter does not change in this sense because you have Amanda Lawrence there. And that is the person you have to beat. And also with Jessica Bender as well. But you have Amanda Lawrence there too. So uh, I think that would be a massive, massive statement internationally. I also don't know why Leah's nominated totals 514 because she's hit 548. Huh. So if anyone looks at these and like, oh, Iris is actually kind of close to Leah. It's only like 30 kilos. No, it's more like 70 kilos. It's just not her best total as nominated for some reason. Well, that is going I, – I, I, that is, I think, the weight class just to look for for best overall lifter. Uh, now, at 69 kilos, the new weight class, and some some real interesting stuff going on here because you have Chandler Babb this, and Kim Offord. And This is the most competitive one, in my opinion, not 57. Okay. I don't know who's going to win this one. 57, I think we do. Well, this one is well, close. You, well, you have the weight class, really. I think Kim Walford right now and Gene Bell are being accredited as being like the saviors for USAPL lifters and getting them onto the U.S. Virgin Island team. So there's that. But then also, Chandler Babb gets to compete at another world championship. She competes at in the IPL. Uh, this is going to be the IPF. And she's going to go head-to-head with her teammate, quote-unquote teammate. And... It could not be closer between her and Anna. I it's very it's very close between the three of them. Yeah, one thing that happened. So the total that was nominated from Anna was a seventy-two kilo total, but since then, or no, okay. So she nominated herself at five thirty. Anna did, but that's not the total she hit. She hit five forty. So she actually is coming in seven and a half kilos over Kim. And here's the thing is Kim is crazy strong, but she's kind of just hit the same total consistently for the last three or four years. Um, I don't want to say she's peaked because she hasn't really regressed, but she's not necessarily like improving at a rapid rate. I would very much expect Kim who just hit this total like four or five months ago to pretty much hit this total again. Chandler, I think has some wiggle room to bump up. But she obviously now has to travel across the world. Anna is coming in seemingly with some really good progression because I think her totals also from 2019, not from any time recent, coming in seven and a half kilos over both of them. Mm-hmm. Let me make sure I got that right. I think the nominated total she has. Yeah. So it was from 2019. She weighed 155, so yes, she did weigh a little bit over the weight class because this weight class didn't exist yet, but she had hit 540 in 2019. Mm-hmm. So that, that's something to be taken there, too, is that like her nominated total is fake. It's 10 kilos less, and it was hit two years ago where both Kim and Chandler's total are from this year. So I tried looking at Honest Training. It honestly didn't look like it was going – like anything special though. That's the only thing I was, I was very quick to say, Oh, Anna's 2019 hit 540. She's definitely going to win this. But then I looked at her training. It, it didn't look like it was like, she hit like a 190 kilo squat that kind of looked hard and that's decently under her best. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I guess it was based on familiarity. Like I'm really, 
just on the Kim and Chandler bandwagon here. Um, and you know what? I I really would like to see Chandler Babb win this, uh, and I actually think she can. I think this is going to be one one of the uh, like crazy like making her almost like the, one of those decorated lifters currently, right? Because she did it in so many different feds: USPA lifter, IPL lifter, USAPL lifter, IPF lifter. Like, is there is there a grand slam in uh, in powerlifting? She might be our first grand slam champion here. She might take all of them. Because she's won USPA Nationals, she's won USAPL Nationals, she won IPL Worlds. She can win IPF Worlds. Well, this this might well. Kim got pushed by Jessica Butner in 2019, but I, I might be wrong in this. But I don't believe Kim's ever been beat head to head. I think she is undefeated. She has won every time in head to head matchups. Well, wouldn't and it's that usually be a great because story, she's got her trump card of a deadlift? Yeah, which she still is going to have the biggest deadlift. But Chandler has a big deadlift too. Mm-hmm. That's something that Kim hasn't had to deal with as much. Is another person with a huge deadlift. Yeah, I mean, we can just we like if this happens, if Chandler ends up winning IPF Worlds, we can title her Powerlifting's first Grand Slam champion, and we'll just make that a two white lights thing. See, see if lifters yeah. see if see if lifters want to do that. Go to IPF or go to IPL and USPA along with it too. Even though I think a lot of people will have an easier time there, but it is kind of crazy. Like that's her progression is like really fun to see. It's a person who just went to go lift weights, kicked everyone's ass in it, and she now has a, a legit opportunity to win IPF Worlds. I'm going to put her as my favorite to win. I just really, I'm rooting for the storyline there of her winning that. Um, and I guess I, I, yeah, I with Kim, I, betting against Kim is a very hard thing for me to do because Kim is, I think, hmm, would I put her, like, I think her and Jen Thompson would probably have, like, the GOAT status as far as females go. Or, uh, um, uh, Bonica Brown too, like just she's been in the sport so long and dominating for so long too. But yeah, I would have Chandler Chandler winning, Kim second, and uh, I'm third. I'm between Kim and Anna. If I'm going Kim versus Chandler, I mean I wouldn't be surprised at all if Chandler wins. So I don't want to discredit that at all. But like I'm not going to pick against Kim in a pretty even matchup. Yeah, because Kim's never lost. She is the queen of competing at IPF Worlds. The GOAT. In my, I mean, my, my debate is between Kim and Anna. And it's is Anna's total from 2019 something she could put up in this new weight class currently? Or is she going to be below that? Yeah, I was I'm, originally leaning towards Anna, but I'm kind of talking myself into Kim now. Just because I just, it's almost like a thing of like, don't pick against Kim until Kim loses. Yeah, I'm just not, I'm not too familiar with uh, Anna, Anna's training. So I, I really can't. And also, like, it's hard going based off 2019 totals. It just is. It's hard to really gauge that. Uh, very similar to Raw Nationals. Like, what we saw with a lot of the people who haven't competed, like Deuce Scruton, like, we had no idea what's going to happen. But at the same time, he still was able to push into a top five or top three range. And his last competition was 2019. Same thing with Cameron. Like, last competition was 2019, but he took third. All right, I gotta make a decision. I'm going Anna. I'm sticking to my guns. All right, ooh, all right. That's gonna be that's gonna be a little interesting. All right, yeah. Well, you know, I think you almost talked me into. I guess this will be the most compelling. Uh, Sixty-nine. This, this, I. This is the only class that, in my opinion, has three people that 100% could win this. Yeah. Yep. The only downfall to Anna is she has the, the 
the lowest deadlift, but she's going to come in with a huge subtotal uh, compared to the other two. They're all going to be playing catch up on her subtotal because she also benches close close to 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. She's got a huge bench. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I'm, uh, the, only, the only thing here is and it doesn't, it's, it, it semi discredits who wins this class, but there's a strong likelihood Leah totals more than whoever wins this class. Yeah, that's interesting. We talked about that a lot on the uh, the Raw Nationals previews of like just lifters kind of surpassing others, so uh, or certain lifters in certain weight classes and making their list more impressive. But I mean, I think you can say the same thing about Amanda Lawrence when we talk about the eighty fours. But seventy sixes, another female lifter who is who I think think is put, pulled away here is the runaway winner of the seventy six or the protected one winner, Jessica Bittner from Canada. Um, Again, COVID was one of those big things that stopped the momentum of Jessica Bittner. And also, I deserve some points. I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Uh, I was apparently pronouncing it wrong. Sorry, not sorry. My bad. <laughs> Jessica Bittner. Um, I think you have her at 76 kilos. I mean... The weight cut to get down to 72 for her is ridiculous. Jessica this, Bittner this might be... Jessica, like, this is the Jessica Bittner class. Like, yes. This was literally... We've been waiting for this class just for her. Yes. Uh, and the fact that we have it, we could be seeing a person coming on the scene as a dominant uh, world and national champion for many, many years and also pushing for best overall lifter for many years as well. Um, I think the way she lifts, the way she approaches training... Obviously has all the things working for her. She has a she is a fantastic lifter, great technique, great leverage on lifts. Also jacked beyond belief, and she has like the trifecta of the things where you want a lifter to have: leverages, muscle, and technique. She has all three of them. It's going to be very fun to finally really see her. I think this is going to be the meet where it kind of stamps that, proves it. Going to be hard winning best overall lifter like. I think eventually Jessica Bittner will be a perennial best overall lifter, surpassing Leah and Amanda Lawrence. I disagree there. Because of this weight class, it's actually semi-hurt her a little bit on the good lift score. Okay. Because like if you're even even looking at her her good lift score from when she was 72, she's still almost 10 points off Amanda Lawrence. I th- I, I'm saying eventually. I think within time she'd have to add a lot. She'd have to add a lot to her total, and based on her current list, she's added some, but not enough to challenge, especially with the weight increase. Well, that's my hot take. I and my hot take is she will eventually be that person to do it. I think with some of the with with just some stagnated progress from certain lifters, I think she has a ceiling to eventually be the best overall lifter. Um, in, in that female division, but, I mean, at the very least, just completely dominate the 76s if Danielle Mello uh, can uh, somehow find, some way find her way back into the uh, 76s. Or just a yeah. competition. Yeah. And Danielle's, I mean, if Danielle was here and made weight, on the low end, she, that, it would be a good, good battle, but she would probably have Jessica, at least on nominated total by a decent little amount. They'd both probably be looking around like 600 kilos, which would be very fun to see. I think they, they yeah. both could kind of push around there. So that would be the battle we really want to see in the long run. That would be very interesting. So, um, 
Random tidbit. I'm going to backtrack. I'm changing to Kim Walford. I'm flip-flopping. What the hell? Look, you can't... Come on. I'm flip-flopping. <laughs> All right. So you're going Kim Walford when, winning. When I, was, when I was Xing out Anna's uh, open IPF, I noticed she's never hit more than 1150 at an IPF event, and she only hits 1190 at home events. So I'm going I'm going Kim. I'm saying Anna's getting third now. Well, I'm still going with Chandler. I'm not, I'm not switching okay. anything. Chandler's, Chandler's making right. her own that weight class. And then I think pretty obviously we're going Jessica since she's nominated, what, 64 kilos over second place? Yeah. So, I mean, she's she's pretty much sealed the deal at 76. All she has to do is make weight and hit openers. Yeah. I mean, then, yeah, we can just push right on to 84-kilo women, which is Amanda Lawrence, which I, you know, the the queen of, I mean, the IPF and USAPL, really. One best overall lifter in 2019, continuously wins best overall lifter at nationals, has bad meets, and still wins best overall lifter. If, if again, like, you, she can figure out a few things here, uh, and how to progress that? How to progress her lifts? It's 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 so it's actually it's Atwood like it's it really is. It's like it, there's no enough. There's people will have to do unprecedented thing to beat her, and it's just it's not. I, I don't I don't see it happening. You know what I mean? Like if she continuously progresses, people will have to do insane things just to come close to her. Yeah. I mean, she, the only chance anyone has to beat her is if she bombs out. Um, the Russian lifter, Angelina Alavakova, um, I mean, she's still almost 60 kilos off, and that's 60 kilos off Amanda's Nationals performance, not her performance where she was hitting that, what, 644 kilo total. So Amanda's squat looks back, so I very much assume she can go 640 plus. And so, like, as we discussed, like, if, if she has no hip issue and she hits depth, it's not a matter of – does Amanda win 84? It's the Amanda versus Leah for best overall lifter. U.S. Virgin Islands versus France. Yep, the the, the rivalry that doesn't die. Virgin Islands versus France. Long, longest slated rivalry. That's, in also, France, that's right? also the battle for team awards. It's going to be U.S. Virgin Islands versus France for the team award for the women as well. Excellent. That's going to that's going to be very very close. I'm actually I'm actually giving the edge to France. I think you would have to right. Like you, it's you, mainly because of the, the next class, we're likely to see uh, a French woman win the 84-plus. Yeah, let's move on to that one. Okay. So, uh, Bonica Brown. I could assume she would have had a nomination, right, or at least wanted to be in this, because I think he's made it very she, clear. She's on the original roster. Yeah, made it very clear, and this one isn't on the list, and the nominations thing, I don't. Talk about team awards, huh? I don't know what that like. I don't know why you would leave her off. I don't understand the bidding process and how that works. I just don't get it. Like, I don't know why she's there. I mean, I could talk to her and maybe DM her. Like, what's the deal? Did you want to? Did you want to do the nomination? Did you? Did you just not feel like competing under the Virgin Islands? Was it just a personal decision? I don't know, but I just find it very hard to believe that no one would select her. Or that he wouldn't yeah, at least I mean, want she, to do it. He is. Here. He's been doing this forever. If she's in here, she wins the eighty-four plus, and that probably solidifies U.S. Virgin Islands wins the team award. Yes, the proud U.S. Virgin Islands. But I like the the other yeah because like 
you know, I mean, the team talk is actually quite interesting because I actually think, like, that's a really cool aspect of IPF World is international competition between countries. Like, you actually have that here. That's that's really, that's awesome. And all their countries are getting better, like France. And this one, like, like based on this based on this weight class, it will decide who wins this division. Um, just not, I'm really, in all honesty, not too familiar with these lifters. So... I looked him up, and actually, I lied. I forgot. So, uh, I'm going to – so, we have two lifters here that have, like, the same names, and I don't know – one's got to be Emily. Emily Leach is nominated third. And is it Emily Merger? Merger? Or is it um, – I don't know. I'm sorry. Emily. I don't know. Okay. Whatever it is. I'm going to say Emily. I'm probably butchering it. I'm sorry if you're listening to this. She's nominated first by a decent amount – that's from a recent meet that she just she did that French meet, the, the meet that all of them did, except she was one of the people that went all out. Every one of those lifts was a true third attempt. So her nominated total is her nominated total. Like that, that might be all she has. I was looking at Brittany Slater. I think she's from Britain or Canada. She's nominated about 15 kilos less, but she hasn't competed since March of 2020. And what she's lifting right now, I think she's going to win. Um, she just, she was squat, her squat is beautiful, by the way. If anyone wants to go look up textbooks, textbook squat technique, Brittany Slater is phenomenal. Based off of her lifts, she, I don't think she posted any bench, or maybe I did see a bench. Um, okay, hitting, here's my notes. Two 12.5 by four on squat, easy like seven RPE to 12.5 and her current best in the meets, uh, like two thirty. Um, she, she didn't post what bench number she hit, but she said she's hitting PRs on bench that are like, she's repping her old PR now. Um, and then she pulled two fifteen for three on deadlifts. Easy. Whatever it was, when I projected out numbers, I had her coming out about five kilos over Emily. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I just checked out these squats. They are just beautiful. Very, very, uh, very Bonica-like, too, in that sense. And if you look at her deadlift setup, she's deadlifting off these pads, which basically means she's, because of the pads and how they sink, she's basically deficit deadlifting all of her lifts. Either way, I was extremely impressed by her. And I, I, I could just, eh, there's a travel. Brittany's got to go across seas. Emily's from France, so it's a little bit shorter travel. I, I'm going to go Brittany, though, just based off of the lifts I'm seeing. Uh, Emily Leach. She was nominated third. Um, she doesn't post, so I can't really tell. Her, her total's nominated from 2019, so maybe she's made some huge progress, and she's going to come out of nowhere, too, and be very in the mix. But I could see very much Emily versus Brittany coming down to that last deadlift, and Brittany's probably going to have the final bowl. Yeah, I'll trust your judgment on this one, too. Um, I would go the same. And that's going to be big. Yeah, like you said, this could potentially dictate uh, who wins best team. And I think... As opposed to like uh, other competitions, this one actually matters in a lot of people's eyes because you win best team. Like that will that will be huge for France. They win best team, even though it's a. I'm gonna again my USAPL or Team USA uh, hats is gonna be put on here. It's gonna be watered down for sure. I'm not letting France get away with this. Like yeah, if US if USA was there, it'll be a completely different story. But. Yeah, this this this, uh, this dimension of USVI being added in is going to be uh, is going to lead to some interesting uh, storylines as far as the teams go. And 
you know what? That'll uh, I guess that'll wrap it up here for our IPF Worlds preview. Yep, I didn't say it. Uh, for men's team, I'm going Russia to win it. Russia. Uh, U.S. could easily win it if all of our people were showing up and were there. But when I went to go calculate things on how many like weight classes and placing, we just didn't have enough lifters in multiple weight classes where Russia seemed to have enough in the top three that I think Russia might win the men's side. Yeah, which that'll be another like kind of annoying thing, right? Yeah, not Russia, ROC. Does that even count as a team? Are they even? I thought they were independent lifters. Who the fuck? Yeah, at this point, who the hell knows? They accept lifters who are but under WADA-compliant federations, but they don't accept the federations where these lifters compete at. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. The Russia thing is ridiculous. You can you can you can be IPF all you want and say the USAPL is wrong, but if you think in any way the USAPL should be punished harder then Russia should be punished. You need a mental health check. Yeah. No, it's bu- it's it's bullshit. It's another political grab. Hey, I hate to end end uh, end it on this, but yeah, it's when you when we talk about the entire thing, you guys tell you don't you don't have to support USAPL or IPF to tell that it's a political grab between both of them. Now, if you do support one or the other, and you only talk about that, then yeah, you're trying to push across that agenda because you have some sort of conflict of interest or you have some interest you're trying to push across, but you are spewing the bullshit that's happening between these two federations. Um, and just, if you don't see the ridiculousness of this, you're a fucking idiot. It just, it's, it's clear. It, how can you accept USA, uh, United States lifters under a different federation and call them not water, non water compliant, but accept them in the U S Virgin Islands when they did the same test? Stupid. It's dumb. And the same thing with Russia. It's dumb. It's stupid. We're at a weird, like, battle between these two federations. Um, I don't know. But, uh, but, but at the very least, we do get an IPF Worlds, uh, be it a, a bit of a bit of a watered-down version that we wanted to see. But we do have some more fun coming with IPF Worlds. We are going to have our fantasy draft, our actual fantasy draft. Uh, King of Lifts does a pretty good job of just having interactive with all people, um, ours is going to be like a legit fantasy football draft where it's a snake draft. You pick a person, can't pick the same, you know, people can't pick the same person. You can't pick out of that weight class again. Steve put it together so you know it's analytically and uh, n- numbers-wise sound. So I'm, ve- I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be fun. We've got either three or four listeners coming on. We got one that's kind of needs to still confirm. But yeah, we wanted to do this because like um, we got some loyal listeners. If it goes well, maybe we do this in the future. And if you want to be on the podcast, this is kind of your way to get on. So yeah. see if you can beat the Oracle and the Bronze. Yep. Um, yeah, and it's gonna be. I think. Uh, I think uh, if you guys ever like participate in a fantasy football draft, it's just a fun thing to do, especially when you got people like you're looking at them and just kind of talking about. You know, certain people and players that are going to be taking place. We're going to be having these lifters. Um, I think uh, also the team names. we got to come up with team names. I think, should I be generic? Well, I already know mine. I have, I have the same team name for every fantasy team I've ever done ever since 2010. What is it's it? The Pigeon Packers. The Pigeon Packers. Why? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I just wanted to think of a stupid name, and I won, so I've never changed it since. I'm superstitious. Yeah. Well, mine are always football-related. Some I can share on here, some I can't. 
Uh, I can share the Washington Foreskins was my original one. But now, because I've been censored, it is now just the fantasy football team. So that is the that is the football team that I'm going with. I think mine with, sorry to take this now, but virginity rocks. I'm going to be completely on the uh, USVI bandwagon. So um, definitely, uh, I'm definitely like, my favorite team. Dirty here. with these names just for fun. Like I want to put my Russell in your Orhi. <laughs> I like that one. That one's pretty good. Oh no, yeah. Now, now we actually have to think of them. Uh, fan- actually, we might put that up to a poll. What, what, what would be good powerlifting fantasy team names, and then post the best ones? Because <laughs> I like that was a really good one. You could probably do some fun ones with Jesus, just with Jesus references. Yeah. Yeah. Hon- yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can you can do I, that. I don't know too. if I'm gonna be able to trump. I want to put my Russell in your orgy. That just they, neither of those are sexual names, but just the combo of that just sounds. Yeah, no, it sounds perfect. it sounds it sounds provocative. Uh, yeah. Yes, I think I, I might put it up on a poll. I might put it up on Two Highlights page, like right now. Like, what would be good powerlifting fantasy names? That would be that'd be good. I would I like that one. Yeah, Bo- Bobby Butters. I'm sure we could have some fun ones with. That's that's a pretty unique best name. name. Yeah, best name in IPF world is Bobby Butters. Bobby Butters. Yeah, that's a I, I, I that's an all time name. Um, yeah, that's uh, and you know, we are we were what sitting three weeks out or so. Yeah, it uh, starts the 23rd. I think the week after that, like 27th, is when Open starts. So, yeah, nice. somewhere around there, about uh, three weeks out. All right, fantastic. Well, it looks it, – man, I, hopefully we didn't do this goddamn episode and something weird happens with COVID. I'm going to be very yeah. upset. I just talked about this for an hour and 45 minutes. And if – okay, I'm not even going to speak into existence because uh, that will be so much wasted time. All right, well – That'll do it for this episode. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't get Sean Collins on this week. Uh, we are all my schedule definitely got messed up this week, but we'll hopefully have him on again. We're gonna try to get another episode out, potentially relating to that post we did about the Monday Night Wars, relating it to the competitiveness of the USAPL and IPF, and we're looking to get a guest on for that. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.